I realized today that I have been a total hypocrite when it comes to talking about enoughness and self-love and being just fulfilled and joyful and not rushing through things and not focusing on external validation because uh, even in trying to do all of that, somehow, somehow I have ended up in the same place. So about three years ago, I started the Enoughness podcast and the Enoughness podcast was me trying to grapple with why I never felt like I was ever enough, no matter how many things I achieved. And over the course of about 20 plus episodes and a year, well, years of internal reflection, I got to a point during quarantine when I really did feel like I was enough. And that feeling of, yeah, I love myself and I get it. I get what it feels like to um, just be like satisfied, not in an apathetic way, but I wasn't coming from a place of scarcity. I was mapping out goals in a way that felt very different than my past um, when I felt like I was creating goals because I, well, I mean, because I didn't feel like I was enough. And I changed the podcast to Leadership with Lisa as a new title. And my first episode with that was with Meg Whitman. And I was like, I made it. I made it. I interviewed this woman who is like an OG when it comes to women paving the way in corporate leadership and just like leadership in general. And I was like, you know what? I, I figured this enoughness thing out and let's focus on being leaders. Um, well, you know, it's a few months later and I suppose this is in many ways the confessions of an overachiever because what I discovered is that enoughness or this feeling that you're not yet there, that it's not yet enough, is it comes back in different modalities. It comes back to just slap you in the face. And and I realized that today, uh, well, I mean, I realized it maybe uh, a couple weeks ago um, that I was I've been overpiling my plate with just a million things that I've been trying to do. So in full transparency, I've been building this coaching business. I've been writing like three, maybe five different books at the same time. Um, I have this artificial self-imposed deadline that I need to be like well on my way with a very clear focus by the time I'm 32 because that's when Oprah had her first show and my birthday's coming up on September 24th which is just in a couple weeks and I'm gonna turn 32 and um, I just feel like I'm not even I'm not even close to being where I want to be yet. And I know that that, like for a lot of people, it's stupid because they're like, well, I mean, 
I've heard it so many times. People are like, well, Lisa, you've achieved so much and more than a lot of people have in their lifetime. And quite honestly, uh, for, a, uh, I mean, an overachiever for a perfectionist like me, like that just doesn't make me feel any better. And, um, it's, I think it comes from this like really, really deeply ingrained chip on my shoulder that just somehow believes that, um, I'm not, I'm not enough. And that really surprised me because I thought I had it figured out. And today I realized that I have just been totally contradicting everything that I've been saying because I just like haven't slept for the last week. I pulled an all nighter, like not even purposely, just because I was so stressed, so anxious. I had this deadline that I need to reach, you know, quote unquote, need to reach. And um, I wake up every morning just exhausted and just like feeling that I'm not moving fast enough. And it's a really crazy and kind of like matrixy feeling because on the one hand, I step outside of myself and I'm like, you are doing a lot. And I know other people would look at me and they'd be like, Lisa, you're doing like, you know, five different things, 10 different things at the same time. Uh, anyone would be overwhelmed, but yeah, like for me, it's this feeling of overwhelmed that's combined with feeling like I'm not doing enough, feeling like I'm not doing it fast enough, feeling like, you know, that other people are getting there faster, they're becoming more successful, and comparison is the beginning of all evil, right? It's the beginning of... It's it's the root of all unhappiness is focusing on other people rather than yourself or focusing on what everyone else is doing. And I don't think I do that that much, but I think there's probably something inside of me that's just um, that probably does it automatically. And over the past few months, I've I've really cut down on my social media consumption. I haven't posted in, I don't know, a few weeks. I And I noticed that the less I post, the less I actually check social media, which has been really great because then the less I check, the less I am um, on social media in general. So that's been great. But I've instead used that time to work really, really hard, which, of course, is a good thing to an extent. Um, and I just haven't been doing that in a balanced way because, um, I've been home. So I've been in Austin for the last almost six months because of the pandemic. And then I came back to New York and New Jersey to be with my family. And the first two weeks I was quarantine like we literally had a line split our house in half so I didn't come within six feet of my parents um it made them feel good and I think it did make me feel comfortable too I just didn't want to risk it but in some ways it was like it allowed me to just work because that's the great thing about being home is uh well with an excellent cook like my mother is that 
you, I, I just never had to worry about food. So they would slip me a plate of food and I discovered the basement. So I've never used the basement when I've been home, but cause it's like not renovated and it, the basement became my work dungeon, like my, just my dungeon. And I probably spent like, I don't know, 10 hours a day just working and writing and creating and thinking and going in circles. Um, and I had nothing else, you know, like, it's not like I have any friends in New Jersey, um, which is in some ways refreshing because then I'm not distracted and I focus on my work and, and then every once in a while I'd go outside and take a bike ride just to get some fresh air and, New Jersey, uh, where I live in the suburbs is not really, doesn't have the best view. So I did a lot of biking and parking lots around and around. And, um, biking is one of the only activities that I do that, um, where I don't have a direction where I'm not focused on like going towards a destination in a straight line. And I discovered that during quarantine while I was in Austin. I actually, it's like, it's really refreshing. It's like really refreshing as a, I mean, I'm just going to create this term right now, overachievement addict. <laughs> like, uh, like I'm definitely that. Um, that's the first time I've labeled myself that. That's the first time I've come up with that label. And um, to be able to find an activity where I am just, like aimlessly doing it is really kind of cool and physical exercise and it's good for health. You know, and you work up a little sweat and you can kind of see um, different places. In this case, it was parking lots, but, you know, in general. And so that's been really nice. But where was I? Overall, I feel like I have just, I've gotten to this point where today I was like, I'm digging my own grave. I am, I am not living in the present. I am so focused on this deadline of being like, I need to write a book. I need to be super, super successful. I need to know exactly how to create recurring revenue in my business. And I need to hit this number mark and other people have already gotten there. Um, so I just, I realized today I could, that I was just so exhausted. And when I went biking with my dad today to like a corporate park with a bigger parking lot, I just realized how little time I've spent with my family since I've been home. And I felt really guilty and realized that I was doing the workaholic thing. And then the other thing that really made me realize this was that when I was a senior in college, which is like over a decade, I mean, I mean, over a decade ago, for sure. Um, I, that there was a woman, an author who wrote a book about me. I was one of five students who was profiled in this book called Fat Envelope Fronts. Fat envelope frenzy, uh, about the fat envelope of Ivy League college admissions. And as the overachiever that I was in college, oh, sorry, in, I don't know why I apologized. We got to work on that. Um, 
in my junior year in high school, I was on web forums, college admissions web forums, and learning how to prep for the SAT and ACT because I was really cool like that. That's how I spent my time on the internet. And there was this woman who was looking for five students, five bright students around the country that she could follow for their senior year to um basically see if they got into Ivy League. So she would document their senior year. Anyway, she ended up choosing me as one of the five. And so she followed me throughout senior year to my gymnastics competitions to, you know, met my college counselor, met my family and um, was there throughout my entire college admissions and like application process. I mean, my college essay, which I haven't even thought about in over a decade, was published in that book. And I... Um, you know, being home, I was looking at our old bookshelf and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this book. And so I cracked it open last night and discovered that um, I was just reading about myself, which was like Twilight Zone. I haven't, like, you just forget what you were like over a decade ago because our memories are uh, not reliable as humans. And I was reading about myself and there were these passages that were just describing me and about how there was this point in gymnastics right around that senior year or like a little bit before where I just like hated the sport. And it was after I won my first junior national championship and I was like at that point, I guess, defending a championship. And then I had just lost. I'd gotten like fifth place and I'd been first as a junior and I just entered the senior level rankings. And I, I, so I'm reading my, my college essay, right? And in this college essay, I basically described how I like the whole sport was just, I was not happy. I was overworked. I was exhausted. I, I mean, I know how much I practice. I practice five, six hours a day, and I went to public high school full time. Um, never went to, I don't remember a single party or social event that I went to. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I had this memory of thinking that I went to bed somehow before midnight when I got home from gymnastics at 10 and I was taking all these AP courses. And in this book, I'm telling this author, um, you know, I'm going to bed at like 2.30 a.m., 3 a.m., and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the exact same person now as I was back then. And, I mean, I guess in some ways, no surprise, because some things don't change, but um, I was overworking, overachieving, and exhausted my whole childhood, too. And it dawned on me that I haven't taken a break uh, I don't know, ever. That's really upsetting. Um, I mean, maybe like here and there, but I'm never fully turned off. And those of you who are overachiever types get it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm never fully turned off and I don't remember the last time that I was certainly not during the whole pandemic at least like not for a full 24 hours, you know? Um, so, so yeah. Oh, there was this other story that was in this book that 
uh, was about me as a baby. And so this woman's interviewing my parents about me and how they just came back, how they just immigrated from to China, from China to the U.S. And here I was born while they were not even 30 years old, just moved to a different country, don't speak the language, barely have any money. My dad's getting his PhD. My mom's also getting postdoc in like mechanical engineering or aerospace engineering uh, while my dad's doing nuclear physics. And suddenly they have a little daughter born um, super inconveniently, I guess, a few weeks before my dad's exams. And apparently I was like, I was born to five pounds and I was like the worst baby. I kind of heard stories about this before, but uh, in this book, she's chronicling this is she's like interviewing my parents. And it's the first time that they just oh, it's just like my mom stopped smiling as she's remembering raising me as a baby. And it's like. She she like Lisa just never stopped crying. She was crying and crying and crying. And it was like the worst of times. And the doctors like put her to sleep and like close the door and let her cry to sleep. And apparently they tried that and I was not having it. And I just kept crying and crying, and crying. And then in this book, my mom's like, and then she didn't give up. So we gave up. Um. But then the happy part was that my dad was like, and she's never given up since she has like never given up. And that was just funny for me to read because I was like, yeah, so I guess like I've never taken a break since I was uh, born <laughs> uh, in terms of working and like pushing this boulder up a hill and just like trying to achieve something, trying to prove a point. So, um yeah. So like I'm at this point where I don't really know what to believe anymore about enoughness or like how to find fulfillment. And and here's the thing, like I totally get it, right? Like I totally get meditating and like enjoying the moment and being present and feeling your body and like letting stress go and self-care and self-love. Believe me, I have uh promoted these things too but I think sometimes these self-care movements that are so rigid they're like if you don't take care of yourself you don't love yourself <laughs> and it only serves to make us feel more inadequate because we're like oh fuck like I'm not meditating enough or I'm not doing enough yoga or I'm not loving myself enough and like wait but if I have this negative self-talk then like, what's wrong with me? How come I can't be like, namaste, life is great, and I'm at peace, and I'm not stressed out, and I'm not, like, reaching for more than I can handle? Um, so I don't know. I kind of think that sometimes this, like, rigid insistence on being your best self is not really about being your best self. It's about being someone else's standard of your best self, which only serves to make you feel like you're not enough again. It's a crazy loop. Um, yeah, so that's where my head has been. And at the current moment, I am in a bathtub. I'm taking the first bath that I've taken in forever. And... I used to love baths as a gymnast. It would, I would make them super hot and it would 
like relax my muscles and I would actually do all my homework while I was in the bathtub. So one of my presents was like my mom bought me this book, like this, this like this metal case thing that hung over the like across the bathtub so that I could place my textbook on like like while I'm trying to take a relaxing bath. So that's how I did my homework. And that's how I read like my science and geometry and physics textbooks, like while I'm taking a bath. That is how overachievers do self-care. Um, but it was great, right? It was multitasking. And um, here I am recording something while I'm in a bathtub while I'm 31 years old. So I don't know. Some things change, some things don't, but, uh, I don't, I think this is actually cathartic, right? I'm actually, okay, here's the difference because when I was doing the textbook stuff and I was preparing for exams, I was like literally doing homework. I was trying not to get the paper wet with my like wet wrists while I'm like using my number two pencil to like write assignments and hypotheses. But now I'm just like, What's the what's the verb form of catharsis? Like tharding? That's definitely not a word. So now I'm catharding into uh, my phone and this is recording. And this is my first attempt at not trying to be perfect. And usually when people are recording podcasts, people like me, maybe like you, the overachievers, people who have to make like perfect things. Um, this is like treason right now because I'm not using a good microphone. I am not, I'm in a horrible echoey place. The bathroom's like the worst place to record anything. Uh, there's water rippling around. I'm trying not to move, but also I don't really need to move right now because I'm really comfortable. Um, and, and I have no idea what this is going to be, but I realize that I need to just, I just need to let it out. And, um, sometimes it's better to just talk to yourself. And believe me, I did try to call like a couple friends because usually what I do is like I got some friends where I just like call them up and I like I like vent. Apparently, according to my human design, so that's like a thing now. I'm a projector and projectors like wait for the invitation, which means that. Uh, and, and then there's something about like I have to talk things out. So I have to talk things out. It doesn't even matter who I'm talking things out to. I just need to like hear my words, hear my voice to figure out like what the hell is in my head. And it's like, I just need like a sounding board. The danger with that is sometimes you talk to people who give really bad advice. And then also as a Libra, I end up like, being too sensitive to what other people are saying and then I take it to heart and then it's very easy sometimes to lead me astray. Don't take advantage of me. I am, I have smartened up now. So no, no one would answer my call. So I figured I was like, you know what? Let's try this thing. Let's try me talking into my phone while I'm in the bathtub and just sharing my feelings because, um, that's what I want to do. 
And the other thing is, like, when I was little, I used to always write diaries. And I used to journal. I had all these things. And I always started, diary, dear diary, here's what happened today. I felt all these things. The other thing I realized about myself, like, I don't know. I think I know where those diaries, I hope I know. I hope those diaries are still in my, like, old bookshelf, childhood bookshelf. I don't know, though. Um, I know, I think maybe it'd be useful to read those again. But then again, like, maybe it's just total waste of time. Um, I'm kind of curious, but, like, there's no part of me that actually wants to go back and, like, read my um, little uh, immature thoughts. So, I've been trying to get back into journaling again, and so I I was typing it on my iPhone notes, and I have maybe five thousand iPhone notes. Like I have, that's that's like my number of ideas and thoughts, and like I put everything there. It's totally unorganized. Thank God for the search p- function. And um, I don't know. I like I I just haven't been able to do it. Like I've definitely been ADD since I've been a, been an adult. Like technology, social media, thank you very much. And the, I don't know, it just occurred to me while I was in the bathtub and I was like, I need to talk to someone, but I don't like want to bother someone with all my thoughts right now. So why don't I just talk to myself? And I guess recording into this thing feels a little bit less weird than just talking to the wall because, you know, I might put this out as a podcast and now all of you will be listening to me. So, yeah, that is where I'm at. Today. Um, this is a substitute for me talking to myself uh, to a wall and feeling like I am. I'm sane and I'm healthy. And I'm just, you know, this is. What can I say? I feel like this is, this is like, this is great. This is people. Oh, not people. Um, well, yeah, certain people, like the, the people who do energy healing, those people have always told me that my throat chakra is blocked. And this resonated with me because I have always been really, really shy. Um, I grew up painfully introverted and I could never use my voice for all the introverts out there. They understand what this is like, um, for people who, and I think introverts spend a lot of time with their thoughts. I don't think I know introverts spend a lot of time with their thoughts. That's why we're more thoughtful. And when I was in school, this was the annoying thing because you have all these extroverts speaking up when they haven't even done the reading. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been diligently diligently doing the reading, all the homework, the extra credit. And I know everything about this book, but this like thing that was stuck in my throat, this introversion prevented me from ever raising my hand. Plus the perfectionism that felt like I was never good enough and that my thoughts weren't like well-prepared enough. So I didn't raise my hand. And then it was just annoying because I was like, this guy doesn't know half. This guy didn't even read the book. That happened a lot in college. That was so annoying. You knew, like, you knew the guy the night before was just playing beer pong and out of frat and totally drunk out of his mind. And you're like, how, how in the world does this guy have more to say than me? So, yeah, I mean, I guess this is, this is, um, this is, the confessions of an overachiever. And um, 
when one is unfiltered. When I, you know, I think this might be a breakthrough. Maybe this will be the beginning of me letting go of my perfectionism and maybe also the beginning of people thinking that I'm totally like off the chain, not off the chain, off the whatever off the chain is like when you're parting, right? No, it's like off the rocker. That's it. I'm really bad with ex, uh, expressions, figures of speech. Um, but you know what? It's okay. Because the other thing that I, as an overachiever need to overcome is fear of what other people think. And I'm speaking to all of you people pleasers out there, all of you comparison minded achievement focused folks um, that want everything to be like polished and make a really poignant statement and meaning and have every one of your actions be pushing something forward and changing the world and creating impact and more impact than anyone else is making. <laughs> this is for you. So I don't know where this is going to go. Surely this is probably terrible audio quality. But then again, compared to what, right? Like I'm recording this on my iPhone. I have, have an iPhone 10, I think. And surely this recording quality must still be quite good, despite being in an echoey bathroom where there's water. And I'm not using a, you know, hundred plus dollar mic. Um, I'm not keeping this phone still. So who knows where the volume quality is going to go. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I am okay <laughs> with this. And I'm very highly debating whether or not I would publish this. But you know what? It would also be really cool. It'd be really cool to listen back to something like this as a overachieving 40-year-old, a 50-year-old. Like, hopefully I'll change by then, right? Like, I hope people change. I do think people change. I mean, I have definitely changed since I was 20 and since I was 10 in good ways. And But there are some things that don't change unless you are super, super self-aware and you're going to notice and you're going to break the pattern and you're going to be like, hold on a minute, let me stop. Like, let me stop doing this. Like, the self-sabotaging, self-destructive behavior. Um, so what I did today, you guys are like, oh my God, shut up. We already know what you did today. Well, you're in a bathtub. But what I decided today was that, um, so in the beginning I was talking about how I had the self-imposed deadline for this book to be out by September 24th, which is my birthday when I turned 32, because that's when Oprah on 32 had her show and she was like successful. And when we think like that, when I think like that, I create a lot of pressure and I'm effectively saying really to myself that I am not enough now. And that was the realization that I had from like a previous enoughness interview that I did the other day. 
Um, so I have decided that I am going to cut myself some slack and not force myself to publish my book by September 24th and announce it and then like, you know, do this sprint to the end of the year and make everything happen like in this frenzy um and I'm going to I'm going to enjoy my birthday. You know, I'm going to enjoy and I'm going to spend time with people I care about. And that's going to be enough. Yeah. That is going to be enough and then I'm going to I'm going to focus on enjoying things. I think, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create personal goals to spend more time taking care of myself with uh, people that I love and enjoying the moment and doing things for the sake of just enjoying it rather than having to achieve something to enjoy it. But I don't really know if that's possible for overachievers. I honestly don't know. I don't know if that's possible. Um, this is an ever-evolving journey. But, again, this is step one. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to this highly, highly unproduced, unscripted confession of an overachiever.